from our gospel reading. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. From now on, says Mary, all generations will call me blessed. And so we do. We, as Elizabeth did, call Mary blessed among women. Now in our LSB hymnal, there are seven pieces of music based on Mary's Magnificon which is the Song of Mary, including the Magnificon in the Vesper service, one in the evening prayer, and several Magnificon hymns towards the back of the hymnal. The church has sung her words for, as Mary says, all generations. Mary is blessed, and we remember this, especially on this day in the church year, where we celebrate the festival of St. Mary, Mother of our Lord. But Mary's statement that all generations will call her blessed can be misconstrued. Mary is not saying that she herself is to be praised in worship. Mary is also not saying that all the generations will remember her for her good works or virtue, or that all generations will exalt her virginity or, hum- or, or her humility. Now, when Mary speaks of being blessed, she is looking at something other than herself. You see, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. Now here, we learn something wonderful from Mary. While we are looking at her humble estate, her servanthood, and rejoicing in her humility, she is looking the other way. 
My soul magnifies the Lord, she sings. You see, she is looking at what her Lord is doing, and she is rejoicing in that. Mary is saying, don't look at me, look at him. He must increase, I must decrease. Now she does this to direct us to the majesty of God who uses and chooses that which is lowly. Now in our text, Mary says the Lord has looked upon her humble estate. Now looked upon here can be translated as regarded or having affection for Mary's humble estate. And this is the wonderful thing that we learn from Mary, the unexpected thing in this text, and for that matter, throughout all of Scripture, that God would choose to regard or look upon someone that is humble. Now that Mary is of humble estate is not surprising. She was not a rich, renowned, noble, and mighty queen, nor was she the daughter of a prince or a great lord. To the contrary, as Martin Luther writes, to her neighbors and their daughters, she was but a simple maiden, tending the cattle and doing the housework, and doubtless esteemed no more than any other poor maidservant today who does as she's told around the house. Yes, this is Mary, poor, humble, lowly. But again, the extraordinary thing is not that she was of humble estate or that she knew she had nothing to bring before God. The extraordinary thing here is God's grace that he in his mercy, in his love, looks upon that which is not worthy of being looked upon and regards or has affection on the sinner. That Mary was of humble estate, that's not news. But that God would look upon Mary, would regard her and give her his consideration, this is the best news of all. For in doing that, He came in the flesh in order to redeem that which is of humble estate. And that which is of humble estate is the sinner. Those from whom God should turn his face. But he does not turn his face on us. He shows us his face. And it's Jesus, true God and true man, born in human flesh, by Mary. Mary's son is true God, of the same substance of the Father and the Holy Spirit, true God, now come in the flesh as true man. He is God and true man. The divine and the human natures are united into Jesus, who came into the world to shed his blood, to cleanse every sinner, and to bring salvation. And this is Mary's confession. The child in her womb is her Savior. That she needs a Savior 
is Mary's confession because she is of sinful flesh. Like all the children of the lineage of Adam and in need of salvation. That this child in her womb is her savior is Mary's confession. That this is the one to give the sacrifice to atone for the sins of Mary and of the whole world. That this child is true God is Mary's confession. That this one she bears in her womb is conceived in her, not by flesh, nor by the will of man, but by God, the Holy Spirit, giving her to bear this child, though she is a virgin. Mary, a temporary and portable vessel, housing the imminent presence of the true God. And in this way, Mary represents the church because she bears in her womb the Christ. The church is not the church without the presence of Christ. And Mary would be just another simple, unknown Galilean maiden if she had not been chosen to bear the Christ. The child in Mary's womb is the divine presence through whom God's final acts of mighty acts of salvation will be accomplished. The child is the Savior. And the remarkable thing for us today is that Mary's child is our Savior too. Savior from sin. For we, along with Mary, are born of the lineage of Adam and are in sinful flesh. Not sinful because we sin. Rather, we sin because we're of sinful flesh. Because we are of sinful flesh, we do stand before God in need of a Savior. For no sinner saves himself. No sinner makes himself to be other than what he is. We need a Savior. Mary's child is our Savior. He forgives our sin. Forgiving the sins we have committed, forgiving the sins we will commit, and much more. Forgiving us of our sinful flesh of who we are. He took all that upon himself, the sin of every generation. And Jesus crucified it all on the cross. His blood atones for our sin. Our guilt covered in righteous blood. Our consciences are cleaned. So that along with Mary, we call Jesus God my Savior. And Jesus is your Savior because he chose you. He unexpectedly looks upon your humble estate, your sin, which is not worthy of being looked upon, and he regards or has affection for you. Then in our baptism, our Lord puts his saving name on you, where he forgives your sin, rescues you from death and the devil, and gives you eternal salvation. And he comes now to you in his body and blood, in the Lord's Supper, where he sanctifies you, 
forgives your sin and marks you as his own child for eternity. And when you hear his gospel of all sins forgiven, his victory over your humble estate, his triumph over death for you, he is here in your midst, joining you to himself today and for eternity. Dear baptized believers, magnify the Lord. Rejoice in God your Savior, the holy child born to Mary. For the mighty one has done great things for you. His name is holy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.